Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To be that poster girl for the Midlands, it makes me so proud because I love the Midlands. From the age of 13, swimmer Ellie Simmons has won Paralympic medals and world titles right across the globe. But she never forgets the importance of home. I love being able to talk about the Brummie accent, all those amazing things that Birmingham has to offer. This is Made in the Midlands, an original commission by the Coventry UK City of Culture, hosted by Adrian Goldberg. Where is the Midlands? Who are the Midlanders? Is there such a thing as a Midlands identity? These are the questions I've been trying to answer by speaking to some of the Midlands' leading lights. Should those lights shine even brighter across the UK? Episode 9, Ellie Simmons. Ellie has eight Paralympic medals to her name, five of them gold, after swimming for Britain in the Beijing, London, Rio and Tokyo Games. Now retired, she's still planning her next career move. She's moved out of the region, but close enough to the motorway to still feel close to home. Hi Ellie, lovely to speak to you on this Zoom call. I'm going to start with the question that we've asked all of our guests on the podcast so far. What does the Midlands mean to you? For me, it's it's where I am. It's who I, who I am in a sense. I've got so many amazing memories there and my family are all based there. In Aldridge, Warsaw, my first uh, big competition in the 2006 school games where I represented Midlands with my yellow swimming hat. So yeah, it's, it's, it's huge and it's a huge part of my life. And now being part of the Birmingham Commonwealth Games is always going to have a place in my heart. 
And the Midlands is the place where you learn to swim. Just tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, swimming from such a young age. Um, I'm from a, a big family. Uh, there's me and four four older siblings. And I remember sitting on the sideline watching my sister at Windley Leisure Centre, which is one of my favourite pools. Um, I've been uh, back a couple of times for some public swimming since retiring. So, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing place for me. But I remember sitting at the sidelines watching her learning to swim. So that's where it really started, just watching her thinking, I want to swim, I want to get in the pool too. And I just loved it, going once a week. And then I got chosen to, to compete for their competitive side. Um, Ashley Cox, who, who coached me from such a young age and has, has been a massive part of my career, came and like talent spotted a few individuals and yeah chose me to to come and represent the club and go to the competitive side so it was yeah very exciting is that your midlands memory then watching your sister swim at windley leisure center the, <laughs> did that in, was that the moment that that you were inspired yeah exactly windley is a massive place in my heart i remember I just so many amazing memories there, not just swimming, but making friends as well. Um, I remember I always used to want to go before my, the swimming lessons began, about half an hour early with all my other friends. And I remember we used to run up and down, playing hide and seek, playing, playing by the tree. And then also afterwards, I always used to take ages getting changed because we would be playing in the changing rooms, we'd be running around. So it wasn't just the actual swimming that's got the memory in that pool, but it's also the joy and the friendship that I had that was made in those in that pool too. And we should make it clear for people who don't know that Windley Leisure Centre in Sutton Coalfield is an ordinary municipal council-run swimming pool. It's nothing fancy-schmancy. I think a few years ago there was a threat that it might be demolished, but it has been maintained now, and it's a place where anybody could go and learn to swim and, and enjoy that comradeship that you enjoyed. Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing, and it's it's so nice because it's got the little swimming pool pool at the side for the learn to swim. But it's got widths, it's got lengths, it's got another big pool also with diving blocks as well, so individuals can learn how to dive as well as swim. And um, even since retiring, I've been a couple of times to to keep fit, and I join the general public sessions, which are are in the morning, they're in lunchtime, and also in the evening. When I was a kid going there, there used to be water polo, there used to be scuba diving lessons so yeah for me it's it's just the, the most amazing memorable pool like I love it yeah and you were fortunate as well as a family you had a a swimming pool, a small pool in your, in your garden in Aldridge. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, um, we had a little tiny a little pool at the back of our garden that we always used to play at. And I'm part of um, Dwarf Sports Association, so I'm their patron. But when I was a kid, I was heavily involved in it and loved going. And we always used to have in the garden, like, charity days. I remember one of the days my dad trimmed off his moustache to raise money and everyone used to be playing in the garden and playing in the pool. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely been active being around water is not just a thing that I used to do swimming but also it used to be a family thing and brought a lot of fun in my childhood. Well you clearly were a real water baby yeah. weren't you? I know that your parents were so important to your upbringing just tell me about mum and dad. My mum and dad are like my rock. They're the biggest supporters throughout. Even now at the moment, um, we've just got a new house. Um, and they're, while I'm doing this, I've left them um, 
cleaning the carpets for me. So um, yeah, even now they're, they're a huge supporter and they're there for me no matter what. As I'm older, I see them as my best friends. We chat about everything, um, my dad especially. I think we're, we're both scorpions, so we do have strong personalities and we do sometimes clash, but actually he's the person that I go to for anything. I, I message him all the time asking him questions if I need something. He's always there at the end of the phone. And I'm the same with my mum. And comes shopping with me, comes and help me with everything. And yeah, so even now as a 27-year-old, I use them a lot. But growing up, they were the ones that were able to take me to swimming lessons, take me to competitions. When I went to my first world championships in 2006, in the stands, the same in Beijing, London, every competition, they were there for me. And I never realized it until probably Tokyo uh, 2021 when we couldn't have spectators in the stand but actually they were something that I used having them in the crowd they were like my comfort blanket knowing that they were there and I don't didn't realize that they were that until they weren't able to be there in the crowd in Tokyo and I think it really was quite hard for my parents because if they knew that World Championships in 2019 in London were going to be my last competition that they were going to watch, I think they would have taken it in more, but they weren't able to be at the last games, that last race. I think it was hard for them and, and both for me too, where they were, they were there from the start, but actually weren't able to end my career together with me. Just, just give us their names because they're so obviously, <laughs> obviously so important to you and, and tell us about what they do. Yeah, so um, my mum is uh, Val and my dad's Steve. Um, my dad is an... I don't really know what job he does. <laughs> he's not like a doctor or a vet, but I think he's an environmental consultant. Um, and my mum helps with the accounts and things like that. But now they're, they, they're getting of age of retirement. As you were growing up, when did you first become aware of this condition that people will know that you have, a chondroplasia, I think I've pronounced it right, yeah. or dwarfism. Yeah, so I think um, for me, my older sister next to me, Katie, also has a chondroplasia. And I think for my family, uh, we've always spoken about it, we've always talked about it, that knowing that I am different and she's different. And, and we've always been part of the Dwarf Sports Association UK and been around people with similar conditions as me, a chondroplasia, dwarfism, because there's so many different types. So I've always been educated and aware that I am different and, and there are so many people like me out there. But I think probably I remember the significant moment. I don't know how old I was, but um, playing in the playgrounds in primary school. And I think we were playing like hide and seek or something. And I remember being in the corner, I think hiding and thinking, gosh, why am I small? Why am I different? Like, do you know when you're a kid, there's that moment where it clicks like, Oh, I am different. Um, and I think that was fully when I was like figuring out and aware that like I recognise it in my, myself that I was a lot smaller than my other uh, individuals in school. And we all know that school kids can sometimes be cruel and pick on difference. Did you have those experiences? Um, I was very lucky. I, I have quite um, an outgoing personality. Like I hate being bored, hate sitting around. And I was like that as a child too. Um, and I always like to be outgoing, joining in with everyone. So I think growing up with that personality and, and having an amazing friendship group from both primary school, secondary school, but also being part of the sport and part of the 
disability swimming and the Paralympics at such a young age, I've never really experienced that because I think it's just the people that I surrounded myself with and maybe my personality also helped too. Um, because I just, I, like even now, um, I love just chatting to anyone <laughs> in the streets. Um, so I think maybe as a child, I was just, just generally um, just said hello and just started chatting to them and before they um, before they said anything. <laughs> It's very interesting. In previous episodes, we've spoken both to Pauline Black from The Selector and Ken Loach, the film director, saying that there is about the Midlands a directness, a bluntness, which can <laughs> sometimes, I suppose, be upsetting. But at the same time, there is a warmth and a friendliness. Which of those did you experience growing up? I think probably the warmth and friendliness and the acceptance as well. People always wanted the best for individuals and I felt that growing up with the, the individuals at Bolmer Swimming Club who volunteered their time to help people like myself become the best swimmer that we could be. Also to learn how to swim, be safe around the water and then in school too. And I remember love going to school, singing in, in, in the assembly and like learning so much and the teachers there being so supportive of the times when I had to to go away to training camps or go abroad and things like that so for me it's about individuals and everyone in Birmingham being there for me unfortunately for the Midlands I suppose <laughs> you outgrew us to an extent <laughs> at around the age of 11. Just explain how that change in your life came about. Yeah, Balmy Swimming Club were incredible. They got me to a World Championships in 2006. But then I realised if I wanted to go to Beijing 2008 Paralympics or even London 2012, I needed to make a, a change in my swimming training. And at that time, the only big Olympic size swimming pool was Coventry, which was quite a distance away. And also I, I met an amazing coach, Billy Pye, who was based in Swansea at the, the British Para Swimming um, High Performance Centre at the time. And I just clicked with him and I just really wanted to work with him. So I, I made the move. I decided we all sat down as a family and my sister was just going to university at the time. And we decided me and my mum would move to Swansea Monday um, to Saturday morning for me to go to school and to train. And then we would travel home on the weekend to be with my my dad and my other family. So it was a massive sacrifice. And I don't think... I would have been able to uh, do what I did in Beijing or London without that sacrifice. And my family too, they were the ones that had to sacrifice a lot to, to be able to, to get me to be the best athlete that I could be. So it was a whole family thing. And I'm so thankful for them because, yeah, it was probably the best time of my life training in Swansea. Who knows, maybe they were delighted. Yeah, I think my dad probably mom... was. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom spent... Monday to Saturday with you, away from the Midlands, down in Swansea for six years so that you could fulfil your Olympic dream. How much of a wrench was it for you to leave the Midlands and then only come back once a week, really, for, for one night? Yeah, it was hard. And also leaving school friends, swimming friends, the likes of Charlotte. Charlotte's one of my best friends even now. But I'm very driven. Um, if I want to do something, um, I, I want to do it. 
having that trait of a personality helped because I was so focused and I so wanted to go to a Paralympics and to do well in a Paralympics. Yeah, and it was tough, like missing out on times with my dad and growing up and being away from family, friends. But I was so focused on the goal that I wanted to achieve. I knew that that's what I had to do to get there. Just give us an idea of the kind of sacrifice that you had to make in terms of the discipline of your training regime. Yeah, so maybe I'll give you a typical uh, day. I remember um, I used to have to pack my bags the night before. I would get up about six, about uh, quarter past five to be at at the pool for 5.45, to swim from six till about eight o'clock, get changed in my school uniform. Mum would pick me up. She would give me some food in the car. And then I would go from swimming to meet my friends. We would walk to school together. I would have a whole day at school till about three o'clock and then get picked up from school and then go straight to training and swim half three till half five. I would swim nine times a week. So I don't know how I did it. And I remember being pretty exhausted, but also loving it as well. And it all paid off. I mean, the astonishing success that you had at the age of just 13 in Beijing. Tell me about that. I knew that I wanted to go to Beijing and to go into trials in April. Um, I had to do, swim well to get picked and get selected and hit those, that qualification time. And I had an amazing trials that swam out my skin. Um, that was a, the, the, the first time I actually broke a, a world record was in Sheffield in April in 2008 um, in the 400 metres free. And I knew I cemented my chance to go to the, to, to the Games in Beijing and think, oh, yeah, this is this is a Paralympics. This is going to be amazing summer. My first Games at the age of 13. I just remember just being thinking, this is incredible. Like, I'm spending my summer holidays in China for a month. And why I did probably so well coming away with two gold medals and breaking a, a world record in, um, in the 400 metres freestyle was because I was young, because I was a 13-year-old. I didn't really feel the pressure, didn't realise actually how big an event, of an event it was. Thinking about it, I just could go out there and just swim and do what I did every other day. Um, remember four years previously, sitting on the sofa watching Athens 2004, getting inspired to go to a Paralympics, not thinking four years later I'd actually go to my first one and come away with two gold medals at the age of 13. And then four years later, <laughs> London 2012, an unforgettable Olympics and Paralympics. I think for many people, London 2012 was the moment when the Paralympics came to be seen in its proper light, right there alongside the Olympics. And the athletes respected for the astonishing skills and performances that they brought. Yeah, what London 2012 did to showcase Paralympics sport was legendary. The the, the spectators, the tickets, it was all sold out. The, I remember walking out on the poolside and having 17,500 people lift the pool, cheering for it, cheering for me. It was just the nation really took on the Paralympics and it definitely made household names and it was just incredible to be part of. And I think that's what I quite liked because as soon as I touched down from Beijing in 2008, was the countdown was on for London 2012. Being able to go to the venues, seeing them as scaffolding, having so many amazing sponsors supporting me, the whole journey of that four years. And even now, like 
walking along the streets, people still remember London 2012. They know where they were when Super Saturday was or watching the opening ceremony, the closing ceremony. And it's, it's, it's edged in people's history. And in the aftermath of that, you were given the opportunity to have a post box painted <laughs> gold and you chose to have that post box painted gold in your hometown of Aldridge in the Midlands. That was in 2013, the year after the London <laughs> Olympics. What did that feel like, you know, when your own local high street to have a gold-coloured post box yeah, it was, in your honour? It was amazing, actually. Um, so... It's funny, actually. Um, you, you win your medal, you go to the um, the medal ceremony, you do all the media. And then I remember our team manager at the time, she was like, oh, where do you want your gold post box? Like, as soon as... And you have to think, like, oh, where do I want my gold, po my gold post box? So I like, chose Aldridge. Um, I remember the one in the corner. So I wanted it there with Aldridge because Aldridge has done so much. It's, it's my home. When you came back to the Midlands for that really one day only, Saturday, and then you were back to Swansea again on the Sunday, <laughs> where were the places that you loved to go? What were the things that you loved to do that reminded you of home? When I was that age, I loved... Um going to ball ring shopping. I was a typical um, teenager. <laughs> Me and Charlotte uh, would meet up, we would go shopping in ball ring, shop our hearts away and have nice food and then go to the cinema. Sutton Park for me is a huge um, place in my heart. I was home a couple of weeks ago and we went for a walk in the morning in Sutton Park. And it's it's that fresh air, woods, people walking their dogs. It brings a lot of childhood memories. And yeah, so it's it's just boring shopping and then outside <laughs> walks Sutton Park. <laughs> Some people may not know that Sutton Park is billed anyway as the largest public park in Europe and is ancient royal hunting land. I mean, it's got an incredible history. So I'm going to put you on the spot now, Ellie. Uh, I'm going to ask you about your Midlands masterpiece. Is it that mecca of shopping, the retail <laughs> giant that is the Bullring in Birmingham, or is it the, the semi-rural idyll that is Sutton Park? Which one for you? I'm going to have to say Sutton Park, just because <laughs> I think now, like, getting older, um, you realise how much nature and going for walks is just so peaceful and it just creates like a, a, a good space in your mind to go for walks and be around woodlands and nature and fresh air and all things like that. So for me, Sutton Park, from a, a kid riding my bike there with my sister to, to now going for walks there, that's my place. <laughs> what strikes me, Ellie, is that clearly you loved going to the High Performance Centre in Swansea. But through it all then, the Midlands was still your anchor, the place you came to have fun, the place you came to unwind and just be yourself. Yeah, in the afternoons on um, Saturday and Sunday, I would get in my pyjamas and fall asleep on the sofa um, just because... But I'd come back and I'd be so relaxed and know that I was home. Coming back to the Midlands on the weekend, it was home and it still is. My parents are there. I still go back um, to Aldridge and 
I know everywhere there, uh, spending four months in the start of March 2020 in lockdown, went back there to be with my, my parents in, in lockdown. We went for a walk each day. Yeah, it's home and it definitely brings a lot of joy and happiness and warmth feeling there. Absolutely. Where were the places as you grew older that you enjoyed, apart from the Bull Ring and apart from Sutton Park? Were there any music venues, any other places that you kind of made a beeline to when you were back? Um, I always, um, the German markets in Birmingham Central, always for me signifies Christmas and walking down them and we used to go as a family and I remember walking down last year and the smells it brings, the mulled wine, all that, the, the Frankfurt sausages. That's always quite exciting because, yeah, it's it's Christmas in Birmingham. It's it's the start of Christmas and I love Christmas. It's probably my favourite time of the year. So that's, that's, that's big for me. Obviously, your Olympic career continued beyond London 2012. You still had two more Olympics to come in Rio and Tokyo, but you also were growing up and became a student. Many people go away from their parents when they get to go to university. You actually moved closer to home, didn't you? You came to Loughborough, back to the Midlands to be a student. What was student life in the Midlands like for you? Yeah, so I decided like I wanted to be closer after having seven, eight years in Swansea away from family home, really. I wanted to move closer to them so that Loughborough, I think it's about a 40 minute drive. So it meant that I could pop to them easily and um, just to be close. I think after the emotions and the roller coaster of London in 2012, the highs and lows, and then if you go back to normality, it's, it's definitely quite a hard-hitting thing. Probably not many athletes talk about like the hype that the Games brings, but then or when it's all over, the, the lowness that it can bring as well. So I just wanted to move closer to them. And with the, the Swansea Centre closing at that time, I just had to think about where do I want to go next? And I went to college in Loughborough and... I loved my time there. I had great um, individuals that I, girls that I lived with. Um, I remember cycling to, to college and being able to be yeah close to home too and have that both athlete life but also student life too. Well, I was going to say, because you, obviously you still had to maintain your <laughs> your athletic discipline. You, you couldn't, I suppose, indulge fully in student <laughs> life. But was the stuff you got up to in Loughborough places you went to that kind of, it did at least give you a taste of um, student life. Yeah, I think I probably haven't, like, I miss probably a lot of, like, that growing up, alcohol, all that type of stuff. And I, even when I was in Loughborough, I think I was so regimented that I think after 2013 we had, I think it was Europeans and then World Championships. Like, as soon as January 2013, 2014 came, I was still so focused on wanting to achieve more. So I didn't really probably let myself go in the fact of living that student life. And it probably wasn't until I decided to have my year off after 2016 and go travelling that I was able to just, yeah, just be a normal 21, 22-year-old. A lot of your training of necessity has been done outside of the Midlands. Obviously, in Loughborough, at least you were in this region, but you trained at different points in Swansea, in Manchester, in London. And we haven't had the kind of facilities that would serve your needs in this area. 
we've now hopefully got something coming with the Sandwell Aquatic Centre, which is part of Commonwealth Games 2022 in Birmingham. What kind of difference is that going to make to elite swimmers like you? It's having that chance, having that venue. I think it makes a huge difference. I actually visited the Sandwell Aquatic Centre last Thursday and just seeing how beautiful it is. It's a stunning building, a great 50 metre pool, but also there's a diving pit and a diving blocks for for divers for that next generation. Also a little pool at the side, which can be changed temperature. And also it can be blacked out around so no one can see in for different individuals who who want that privacy women's only so i think a massive sports facility like that is not just inspiring that next generation but also giving back to the communities as well swimming it's a life skill it's so so important especially in the midlands birmingham we live next to canals lakes river if we're ever stuck in that situation we need to be safe around it so having an amazing facility like that which can be accessed by all even the 50 meter pool has got stairs going in so people can walk into it having those facilities that anyone out there can use is is really important and like I said previously when I was a kid growing up the closest big 50 meter pool to us was Coventry but now we've got the Birmingham facilities and now Sandwell big 50 meter pools that are going to draw so many next generations and so many great competitions it's going to be great for the region People, it's a cliche now, I suppose, describe you as a poster girl for the Paralympics. I also wonder, though, to what extent you feel conscious of being a poster girl for the Midlands and saying to other young people in this region, if you apply yourself, if you try hard enough, you can achieve either sporting success or success in other ways in your life. Yeah, I think to be that poster girl for the Midlands, it makes me so proud because I love the Midlands. I love going back home. I love being able to talk about um, the Brummie accent, all those amazing things that Birmingham has to offer and give back to people is just amazing. And if I can inspire that next generation or inspire anyone out there that no matter what, no matter religion, race, disability, um, woman, man, you can achieve anything no matter what. And I think also you've got to enjoy your life too as well. I think having that enjoyment and having that focus is 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 really important. And just getting out there, like I say with sport, you don't have to be Olympian or Paralympian. Just do 10, 15 minutes, go for a walk, get out there. You feel so good mentally. It really helps. Like sport just... it gives back to everyone and it gives back to communities and it's such a it's a good thing to do no matter who you are I'm sure you are a very inspirational figure to many young people around the Midlands and beyond who is your Midlands hero so my Midlands hero is actually um, Dave Healy. So he's called Blind Dave. Do you know, the memory that I've got of him is I was very young. I think I, it was 2005 and I went to BBC Midlands Sports Awards and he was there. And I remember just being in awe of him and he, he had his running partner. But I remember just them two talking in such a strong Birmingham accent and just my mum talking to them lots and Ever since, I, I've seen them on the news, seen them on Midlands Today, um, 
I know he got uh, awarded an honour from the Queen. Um, and what he's done, all the marathons that he's done, all the running, um, he gives back to so many individuals. And I just love his accent and he's just such, an, he's such a cool guy. And I've seen him for so many years and I still remember him when I was, I was a 10, 11-year-old. <laughs> Yeah, he's an astonishing character. He once ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents and has now been awarded the OBE for his services to charity. Something that you touched on, Ellie, you know, the the love that you have for the Midlands. And one of the things that we're really interested in in this podcast is the fact that people tend to talk in England anyway in terms of north or south, almost as if the Midlands doesn't exist and the towns and the cities of the Midlands perhaps get a little bit overlooked. As you go around the country and go around the world, do you think that we are sufficiently acknowledged for for being this distinct place, not north, not south, but the place in the middle? Yeah, I do. I think I think we are. Like you say, sometimes I think we get lost just because probably we are right in the middle. But I think there's so many individuals and so I'm also like I love like Peaky Blinders and I think things like that signifies and how amazing the Midlands is because you watch these the the Peaky Blinders who originated from I think Dudley was it they originally Birmingham area um I can't remember. Yeah, the Peaky Blinders are based based around Birmingham, based around Digbeth in Birmingham. Yeah, Digbeth, Digbeth. And so in things like that, it, like, again, it signifies how amazing Birmingham is. Having the Commonwealth Games come into Birmingham too, I think that's going to showcase not just the sport, but there's going to be amazing events happening around that. And it's going to... Birmingham and the Midlands is, is bright, it's different, it's diverse, and those Commonwealth Games are going to show it. You love it. I love it. We love it. But we all know anywhere can be made a little bit better. So I'm going to make you God for the day in the Midlands and give you a Midlands manifesto. What's the one change you can think of that would improve this already fantastic area that we love and care about so much? Maybe I I shouldn't say it, but probably because I lived in London, the ease of the transport getting around on the tubes. Maybe if Birmingham, I know they've got um, great transport links with like New Street Station, the trams, but maybe like an underground to get you around Birmingham and also the outskirts of Birmingham would be a great little thing to change just so you could get around Birmingham a lot easier. There you go. Uh, uh, Midlands <laughs> Underground, uh, Birmingham Underground. I'm in, Ellie, I'm in. <laughs> Made in the Midlands is an original idea by Andrew Smith, who is also the producer. The executive producer is Richard Berry, sound design is by Dan King, and the music is composed by Maya Miller-Lewis. That's me. We're all from the Midlands, like our host, Adrian Goldberg. Ellie Simmons, that's fantastic. been a great pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you ever so much, Adrian. It's been so lovely talking about and reminiscing Midlands memories. Thanks to Alexandra Quinn for her research on this episode and on episode six with Tom Clark. Why not subscribe to Made in the Midlands wherever you go to get your podcasts to hear from a host of other famous Midlanders? We'd love to know about your own Midlands heroes. Email your choices to madeinthemidlands at loftusmedia.co.uk. Do share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it and leave us a review. It all helps get us noticed. 
with an extra episode coming up next week to wrap up Series 1. And just to let you know, we are looking for sponsors to make a second series. If that's something you can help with, we'd love to hear from you. Email madeinthemidlands at loftusmedia.co.uk Made in the Midlands is an original commission by the Coventry UK City of Culture 2021, proudly produced by Loftus Media. Thanks for listening. Ta-da!